Hello again and welcome to another edition of Bang the Drum. My name is Joe Greenwich and I am joined as always by the head coach of the St. Joseph's men's basketball team, Billy Lang. Coach, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, my man. Exciting time here as we get to the end of January, start of February, both for the Hawks and in Philadelphia. We've yeah. talked about before about the team and, and its sense of place in the Philadelphia community, yeah. the Philadelphia sports community. Obviously, the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. You guys had a game just before the NFC Championship game. You were able to get a big win yeah. down at George Mason, get off the floor, maybe get on the bus in time. Were you guys able to catch the game? Um, we could have on our phones. I did not. I was <laughs> knee-deep into the George Mason film. But this is a great time. I mean, you know, I keep telling my kids, you guys are, like, ridiculously blessed. I grew up in the 70s and 80s and, you know, early 90s, and my kids have seen the <laughs> Phillies in multiple World Series and now the Eagles in – multiple Super Bowls and now we've got one literally in the same kind of calendar year between 22 and 23 so uh, I don't know if anybody's paying attention to college basketball in the city (laughs) but I can understand why they wouldn't be this is a great time to be a Philadelphian well it's pretty good time to be a Hawk the team has won four out of five since last we spoke a 10 season got got going and now you're already halfway through it what have you learned about your team from the start of conference play because I mean you talk about teams being what the record are. Early yeah. on, a bit of a struggle, right. and then something clicked. And yeah. now you guys are playing really well. Like I said, four out of five. What, what is it that you learned going through that process from starting out rough to kind of finding a stride a little bit yeah. at the well, right time? I think to be fair, we opened up the season with St. Louis and Dayton. Oh, absolutely. So I don't yeah. know who else did that. <laughs> you know, I'd be curious, did anybody else start the season playing the two mm-hmm. teams that were picked um, to win the league? And so I, I, I think – you know, the older I get doing this, the perspective is everything. I, you cannot be fanatical as a leader. And so those two games against those two opponents, like we had no margin for error. You right. know, and in both games we, we lost for different reasons. And, you know, Fordham was a tough game. Fordham's playing great. They're a really good team right now, very good team. And so we were on the road and both teams were 0-2. And they had a better second half than we did. And we had a – uh, better second half than Duquesne did, but unfortunately there was a first half. And so <laughs> at the end of that um, game, I felt that there were a lot of things that we did in that game against Duquesne that were enlightening for me, like in a good way. Um, this team believes. that That's the thing that I've learned the most. And they've been that way all season. They've got an amazing demeanor. Um, they're just a faithful team. We've focused all season long on trying to become – the most united team we could be by the end of the season. We, as a staff, have not taken our eyes off of that goal or that prize. We were not in a position at the beginning of the year to have any small goals. We were just too young and too brand new. And I believe that the team has taken that type of flow and rhythm and consistently tried to get better. And, you know, we've had some good home games here over the last few weeks, and we've played well, and our defense has been outstanding in the last five games, and that that matters a big deal to us. I wanted to ask you about the early schedule and just playing tougher teams yeah. right out of the gate, uh, kind of reminiscent of starting the season with Houston, who became number one not yeah. too long after that. Uh, when you when you look at the schedule, and obviously, like you said, you're looking at a long term goal. Yeah. When you look at the schedule, do you do you break it up into like segments of all right? Here's our first four games. This is going to be tough, and then. The lessons we take from here, we're taking into the next bit. Because I know that fans do that. And and for whatever sport it is, if you're looking at basketball or baseball or or, or football or basketball, you're, you're looking at it and you're thinking, all right, well, 
I don't know about this game, but but then we've got a little run. We can kind of yeah. get some momentum yeah. together. Do you look at that, or are you treating each game as just one building block towards that final goal? Well, I think the answer to, is yes to both. You know, I don't think those two things are separate. I mean, number one, you know, I love analytics. I love stats. With a young team, I don't get too caught up in it because right. it, it can make me too judgmental, and it's it's unfair uh, because the stats are relative to who you are, but you're playing an opponent. Right. You know, um, so I don't one look at a game and say that's a tough game. I don't look at a game and say that's an easy game. We have a saying in our program: no ego. We take the same approach towards every game. I just know, okay, we're playing St. Louis and Dayton. This is going to be really hard. We've got Houston. We've got Penn picked to win the Ivy League. Uh, Temple's pretty darn good, which I knew. Uh, Villanova's still very good. You know, we played Georgia. South Florida has improved. Like, I'm aware of how challenging these things are going to be. So what I do try to do, Joe, we as a staff will block these things. Okay, let's look at the stats after these five games. Let's look at the video clips. So there's a little bit of, like, data, and then there's a little bit of our intelligence and our wisdom and our experience to kind of see what we're seeing and just say, where are we headed are we on the right path? We are. Stay with it. Uh, there's a tweak that needs to be made. Let's make it. But I, I don't. We're not caught up in looking at a schedule and saying we can't win those. But then we get a break during. The, there's no chance we would do that. I don't even think like that. Right. Honestly, there's times after a game. Um, this is probably going to be funny to some, and some are probably going to think it's sad. But like after the George Mason game, we got on the bus. I said to our guys, "Who do we play next?" I literally had no idea. <laughs> I was going to say, "Is it definitely I I just, one of those sort of things?" I just—it's just not who I am. I, it's just I want to be present. I want to be in the moment. I don't want to think about streaks. Like you could say we won four out of five. I could say we've lost one of our last two. Like it all depends on how you look at it. It's just for me about becoming that's all it is and I I can take a loss and say we're becoming better I can take a win and feel great about it and be like man there's some things I'm a little concerned with Um, and I can take a win and feel like hey we're getting better I it's about a general feel for me that's measured in analytics obviously but also in my experience and being with these guys every day Speaking of the guys, uh, one of them hit a, a pretty impressive milestone, one that tends to mean a lot to a lot of people. Cam Brown got his thousandth career point. Talk to us a little bit about his development, both on and off the court. I mean, you see so many guys that, that play for four years don't get there. Yeah. He's been such a key part of the lineup since he got here. <laughs> and and he had that he, – he had a chance almost at, at, at in a game on Hawk Hill, ultimately – did it on the road at George yeah. Washington. So just talk to us a little bit about him. I can't say enough. Um, there's a Natalie Merchant song. I, I don't know what the name of it is. Is it gratitude? Is it grateful? Or I want to thank – that. like when I hear it, I actually think of Cam Brown. I wish I could remember the name of the song. But um, I, we're just eternally grateful for Cam Brown. You know, he's, he's in a situation because we had no choice four years ago, right? And – he, he's really like taken the responsibility and the opportunity and grabbed it as a freshman coming in with a roster that was all brand new. I mean, really, he's played with four new teams every year. I th- the thing that stands out to me the most about Cam, this is what a college basketball career is supposed to look like. I go to a university. I trust the coaches. I love the university. I meet friends that I care about. I see the value of a degree, and I stay with it, irregardless of what the results are. And because of that, he gets individual glory, and, and he should. He's put a lot of work in. I really, since about, you know, when we were in the pandemic and we came out of Fort Myers, we had that first pause that year. 
I think, and Jack Jumper can back this up, I think Cam Brown was either the or one of the guys in the country that missed the most consecutive days. He was out for like 30 days just because of what the protocols were then. Right. He didn't even have COVID. It's just, it was just the protocols. Mm-hmm. And so then we were just disjointed all year after that. We had a hard time getting back together. After that second pause, when we came back in February, he's been terrific ever since then. His stats have been great. He's been a phenomenal jump shooter. He's been one of the best defenders in our league. And he just consistently got better. But part of it is is because he stayed with it. He didn't jump around. The other part of it is he's taken advantage of an opportunity. I'd love to know who's logged more minutes at this point in their career than Cam Brown in the history of St. Joe's basketball. I mean, I'm sure there are guys. But you're going to look at some of those names of those players and you're going to be, oh, my goodness, this is like Hawk Hill lore, these guys that he's in. I just can't say enough about what he means to our program. And, and it's always good to see those guys you know, have the payoff, yeah. right? Like not, not all yeah. of them end up playing professionally, yeah. going to the NBA or even to Europe or anything. So when they're able to have some sort of, like, I scored 1,000 points, I, just like all of these other guys, you talk about all these guys through history of the program, and now he's one of them. It, it's great to see, and, and for, such, for such a great guy, everybody right. loves him, and, and, and it's, it's, it's really, really good to see. Another thing that's good to see, uh, Lingard the third has been playing really well, yeah. especially the last few games, kind of put, putting the team on his back when, when it's been needed. Tell us about, about him. You know, you, you've talked before about having so many guys that they're not freshmen, but they're basically freshmen, yeah. and him being one of them. And you, you've seen his arc over the course of the season yeah. trending upwards. Talk to us a little bit about him. You know, we, we as Philadelphians, uh, you know, we're very provincial, we're very parochial, so we've known Lynn Greer for a very long mm-hmm. time. If Lynn Greer lived in Idaho, we would look at him with the grace of a freshman. Right. That's how we would look at him. But we don't think that way. Or if way. his name was like Steve Greer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's even better. Right? And so we, we, we have to, in this office anyway, say, look, be fair. Again, I, I talk about it all the time. Because if I, we don't make decisions with a lens of fairness, we have a chance to make reckless decisions. Like, let's bench Lynn. Well, that's not intelligent. You right. know, it might be fleshly, but it's not intelligent. And it's not fair. And, and so Lynn is just going through what a freshman goes through when he's a point guard at St. Joe's. He's learning how to get better. He works on his shot. He's been in the gym working on that. He's learning how to try to take care of the ball. I mean, there's games where he has eight assists and seven turnovers. It's like, we'll all pick on the seven assists, uh, seven turnovers, which we do. But we have to see the value. He's a phenomenal rebounder. I mean, my goodness gracious, the kid is great defensively on the glass. Um, he can get off the ball quickly when he sees it. And so we're teaching him how to make those reads. He's a freshman. I, you can say whatever you want. This guy is in his freshman year. Last year he played 10 games, minimal minutes. It doesn't even count. So this is his freshman year. I think he's probably outkicked my, my expectations at this point. You talked about him being a great rebounder. Is that, is that an intrinsic thing? Is that, is that something you teach? Is that something you just got to want to do? Yeah. Well, he's had great coaching, you know, mm-hmm. throughout his career. Um, you know, played for phenomenal AU programs, played for Matt Griffin at Roman Catholic. Has had his dad in his ear, has had his grandfather in his <laughs> ear, who's an old school, tremendous coach. You know, he's watched Temple basketball under John Chaney. He's had Rick Brunson as a mentor. This guy has been around some of the best basketball minds 
in our region. So it's it's definitely part of coaching. I also just think it's an instinct. You know, a lot of times we, we look at rebounding as a skill that can be taught, and that's true. But sometimes it's just as much a God-given skill as it is anything else. He's just got a great nose for the ball. And the other part is that his man is often not going for an offensive rebound. So if Casper or Edge or Rashir or Cam do a great job taking their man off the boards, he's the guy that can fly in there and pick up the loose rebound, which is also a credit to him because some people will watch. So um, if we can get that, it's great because it's our best offense. Now we got the guy with the ball in his hands that we want pushing it anyway, and we didn't even need to throw the outlet. Let's take a break. We'll have more with head coach Billy Lang in just a minute here on Bang the Drum. You can support St. Joseph's Athletics by making a tax-deductible gift to the Hawk Athletic Club. These gifts are essential to providing student-athletes with the resources to excel in the classroom, in the community, and in competition. Make an impact on St. Joseph's Athletics by visiting sjuhawks.com HAC and donating to the Hawk Athletic Club today. Today's show is brought to you by Mainline Health. Four suburban hospitals, four top regional rankings, and a proud sponsor of the St. Joseph's Hawks. For award-winning human care, visit MainlineHealth.org. The Kettle Club Podcast Network is brought to you by Rothman Orthopedics. Rothman Orthopedics, the official team physicians of your St. Joseph's Hawks, provides the region with unmatched orthopedic care. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit www.rothmanortho.com. For orthopedic excellence, think Rothman first. And also by Univest. Handle all your banking remotely with the Univest mobile platform. Easy, convenient, and secure because life needs a little more wow. Live life, stay connected with Univest. Univest Bank and Trust Company, member FDIC. Back here on Bang the Drum with St. Joe's men's basketball head coach Billy Lang. Now, Billy, one of the games that, that you guys hosted recently was against UMass. It was former Players' Day. A lot of former players, former Hawks, come back to Hagen Arena every year. It's a great day. They get to spend some time with one yeah. another, get to take in a game. What do these former members of the program mean to you and the current team? Well, the number one, I want to just thank Rob Sullivan publicly for his efforts to put that together. I mean, it's hard to find the perfect time to get grown men to come back. You know, they've got lives, and, you know, sometimes we kick it around. Should we do something in the summer? Should we do it before Christmas? It's challenging. And Rob's efforts and his passion for the program uh, deserve to be applauded because it's hard to get those guys here. And then I want to thank the guys that came back. What they mean is more to our current players about this is a home. You know, this is a weird time in college basketball. I mean, it's very transient. It's like it resembles a little bit when my kids are making their rosters on 2K when they're playing their video <laughs> games. It's like you're just changing it around. And, and listen, I could be wrong, but but I'm convinced I'm right. That's not the way here. It's not it's not St. Joseph's. This is an intimate, faith-filled community that you want to belong to, you want to feel safe to, you want to feel it's a home, you want to remember your moments here and your growth on and off the court. So, and really – I believe, Joe, that's what every human being wants. And so when our players go into a Hall of Fame room after a game and they see these guys, you know, they see Naeem Crenshaw or they see Rashid Bey, you know, or they see Coach Lineham around all the time. I mean, they, they see these guys, and I don't want to omit anyone, but it tells them, like, I have a home here. You know, like, what I'm doing matters. When I'm done, I'm not just a stat. I'm not just a 1,000 points. I'm not just a guy that didn't play until his junior year or didn't play great as last year. I'm a person that gave 
time to the program in the university in a, in a role here. You know, these guys come under a lot of scrutiny, a lot of pressure. No one else deals with this. Just men's basketball, for the most part, deals with this here. The other sports have what they have to deal with, and I'm not dismissing that, but not at the level that these guys have to deal with it. And it just tells them that they're respected. And I can't thank these guys for coming back enough. And, and you know, you have players that – you know, come back from different eras. There are guys that played for Coach Ramsey. There's guys that played for Coach McKinney. You know, Harry Booth's family was here. Guys that played for Coach Booth, played for Coach Lynham, played for Coach Boyle, guys that played for Coach Griff, guys that played for Coach Martelli. So it's not a, even just about the coach. It's about the family, you know. And so we try to tell our guys when we're recruiting them, I promise you this. If you come here, you'll be a hawk for life. I can't tell you how great we're going to be because there's a lot of circumstances that we can't control. And I can't tell you about the other places that are recruiting you. But if you come here, you will be a hawk for life. So I think our guys sensing that and seeing the camaraderie really inspires them. And then a credit to the people that come back, they talk to our current guys. So it's just an amazing event. Talk about being a hawk for life. I can see right on the wall in your office. That's the, what uh, I, every time they walk. The well, <laughs> when they, when they walk in, listen. When they walk into my office, they know that it's either I'm going to show them something on film. Some of it might be good. Some of it might be bad. I'm going to talk to them about something that they need to grow it. But I want them to see that sign every time they walk in. A hawk for life. So there's purpose in their time here. One of the other off-the-court things that, that happened recently, the annual, the now annual Martin Luther King Day game against LaSalle. Yeah. Obviously a nice day when you can go across town and get a win, but yeah. more importantly, the, the off-the-court element of, of you know, the day of service and, yeah. and, and a lot of attention around that. And, and it kind of follows up with, with the coaches versus cancer stuff and, and the autism awareness game that yeah. was in the fall. Can you talk about you know, your role as the head coach and kind of guiding – your 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 players in supporting these causes and 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 certainly keeping them in mind, you know, in your time off the court, just how important that sort of stuff is. Well, as it as it, it relates to the MLK game, um, you know, a lot of credit goes to the partnership of LaSalle University uh, to do this, and um, specifically Ashley Howard and I, you know, came up with this idea at an Under Armour event in the summer of 2019 to do this. And we still have great visions. Like we really want to have it at the Palestra and bus students in because everybody's off, you know, use it as a real community service day and a messaging day to start to create better awareness around social justice for people that look like me and my children. You know, we need to do more. And where I'm proud of what we've done so far is I look at the popularity of playing on that day. There weren't a lot of games going on on that day two or three years ago. Right. You know, the NBA plays on that game, that's that, on Martin Luther King Day. That's what gave me the idea. And now you're starting to see it, starting with our own conference, more games being played on that day. And I think it's it, there's a couple things that come from that. Number one, you know, to me, Martin Luther King Jr. is one of the closest uh, – people to Jesus Christ that's ever walked the face of this earth. I mean, this guy was resilient in the face of incredible opposition and continued to do what was right. He had real purpose in his life. He did not exist just for the sake of existing. His leadership is amazing, and his legacy needs to continue to grow and keep going as we continue to try to make change here. The other part is, is like I like to, to teach our players some of the facts about Martin Luther King that they don't know. You know, like his childhood and the depression and the anxiety that he battled. He's a normal human being like the rest of us. And then, you know, for a lot of the guys on our team that are white, 
you know, it's an an opportunity to raise the awareness of the change has to start with us. You know, racism starts with us. We have to make those changes. And then we get to compete against LaSalle after that. But I just think the day for as great as it's been, we can raise it to a much higher level of magnitude right here within the city of brotherly love. It's a, a very strong message that, that you're sending your team. You talk about messaging a lot in a lot of ways. If we can bring it back to the court here to, to close it out, what is the message to the team for the second half of Atlantic 10 play? Yeah, I, I try to speak from a place of truth. And so, and I want to be consistent. We, we can, like each season goes along and um, the season speaks to you as the head coach. What I mean by that is, the team is going to tell you what you have to say to them. You know, we've talked about habits. We've talked about endurance. We've talked about competitive effort on every possession. We've talked about a lot of these things. Recently, we've talked about spacing better. I think it's really helped us. Um, But I tried to stay consistent with what we spoke about when we met on the first day of school in August, which was about becoming is greater than arriving And our goal was to be the most united team we can be at the end of the season. And it was the only message at the time, Joe, that was appropriate because of the newness and youth of the group. Anything else would have been unrealistic to put on them. I'm going to continue on that same theme, okay? And now it's like, can we become even better defensively? Can we become a team that spaces and shares the ball even more? Can we become a team that stares down the final seconds of a close game with resilience? Can we be more united when the crowd is against us or their officiating doesn't seem to be going in our favor? What I'll add to that over these last month here is we're running out of time to do it. You know, we don't, it's not, doesn't end tomorrow, but we don't have as much time as we had 30 days ago. We don't have as much time as we had 60 days ago. We don't have as much time as we had yesterday. And I want to do it with a sense of urgency that is joyful and fun, not panic. And so the message is going to be the exact same. Keep becoming. Let's see what happens. Let's control what we can control. We go into that locker room after the result is all in God's hands. Whatever's going to be is going to be. But did we become a better team? Are we more united? And we believe that at the end of the season, if we focus on those two things, we'll be the best we can be under the things that we can control. I'm just striking it right now with a higher level of urgency because of where we are in the calendar. Not panic. Like, this is fun. We get a chance here over 30 days to keep racing towards this goal, and it's exciting. And this group is a group of guys that believe. Um, They've taught us as much as coaches as we might have taught them, maybe even more. So we'll continue to stay with those themes. On that second half, that last 30 days of the regular season kicks off Wednesday night. The Hawks host Rhode Island, and then Sunday afternoon hosting LaSalle. Coach, thanks again for joining us. Good luck in those two games. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Joe. The Hawk will never die. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Be sure to subscribe to the Kettle Club Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. You can also find us at sguhawks.com slash podcasts. Podcasts.